This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in in California gun laws. 760-642-7150. Or you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. And don't forget, tune into the YouTube live stream at youtube.com slash gunownersradio and hit the subscribe button and tell your friends. So, hey, Mike, it's just you and I today. I know. It's just the two of us. We don't have all that riffraff. I know. We got to a (laughs) high-class show right here. Yeah. So how's it going, man? I'm doing just absolutely fantastic. So, Well, there's a a lot going on, I'll tell you. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, media. You know, so there are all these anti-gun bills being introduced on the federal, federal level. And in effect, we've talked a lot about it, but in effect, what they're doing is they're taking every horrible gun law in California and they're going to make sure that all 50 states have to suffer from it. Absolutely. They figured we've suffered, so the other 49 should suffer too. Exactly. So, so what's happening? Well, media is, you know, any, any kind of, any kind of violent act with a gun. Oh yeah. They're, they're all over it. They're pushing it out so, so much. Um, it, it's absolutely crazy. So this this latest one mm-hmm. was somebody who actually uh, it, it's a uh, uh, you know proof positive that everything we've been saying about these red flag laws are are, are it's they're, they're true they're not going to work it's not going to work no this guy uh, was actually red flag lawed and uh, went out and bought a couple of firearms and uh, you know did something horrible and evil and tragic mm-hmm. um, and you know we've been talking about these red flag laws for a long time we. It, we're way on top of this. You know, the gun violence restraining orders, mm-hmm. we've been talking about this for years, um, that really, truly, uh, what they are best used for is if you want to get back at somebody, like an old roommate or an ex-spouse, you know, you accuse them of some gun, you know, malfeasance. Yeah, and turn them in. And turn them in, you know. I, I mean, we've, we've heard stories here in San Diego about oh, yeah. uh, people uh, having to go to uh, – you know, get their gun rights taken away because that because of a meme they posted on Facebook. Because they automatically assume that that meme is true. They don't get your side of the story. They just come to your house and take your guns. Well, and they're not required to get your side uh, of the story. No. Yeah, they just well, ha- you know, if they're doing something wrong, let's go take their guns. And now it's up to you to spend ten thousand bucks in legal mm-hmm. fees. And okay, so I have an idea. See if you like this. All right. Okay, they want to take away the First Amendment, right? Yes. Okay, they want to take away the Second Amendment. Right. Uh, yes. Okay. Why don't we work on taking away the Sixteenth Amendment? No. Why is that? That's the one where you have to pay taxes to the government. Well, if they're well taking, I, I'm all for that. If they're taking away all of these our rights, 
let's throw 16 in there and that way I don't have to pay taxes. The only one I want to stand is the uh, uh, that we can all agree on is the third. The Third Amendment, that's the one where you can't quarter troops in your house. <laughs> that's the only one. I'll tell you, anybody out there, here's my million-dollar idea for you. Yeah. Start a Third Amendment association. I'm serious. Because everybody agrees with that one. Okay. I came up with another idea, and you'll love All this right. one, too. Okay. okay, there should be a law that if you're in, in politics mm-hmm. and you lie, instead of a Pinocchio, you actually lie, you lose your job. You have an independent board that's rotated every six months that looks at all of these statements. And if, and if, and if I don't care if it's the president, I don't care if it's a mayor, I don't care what it is. If you lie about anything, anything to the general public and this board deems that you lied, yeah. you lose your job. Tell your wife that her turkey dinner is not too dry. Exactly. You're, You're out. out of here. But Whatever stop and think lie. about it. How much more lying do you think would go on if these politicians knew that they would lose their job? Well, here's the thing, and, and I mean that I like your suggestion, and it's and, it, and it's funny, but the serious part of it is that panel that's that's supposed mm-hmm. to go and see if a politician is lying, right. and then make them lose their job if they lie, is you and me. You know, it's yeah. it's the voters. Yeah, but well, we're never going to get it in the voting mm-hmm. booth, so let's have a panel that's rotated every six months with a new panel, and you know, I I, I don't know. I don't. We, it would just be every six months. We would just be a constant flow of new politicians i don't know if they are able to yeah, we'd run out of the I, <laughs> I, was gonna, of I was gonna say that every pr- politician would be impeached at that point oh, yeah, <laughs> so we, oh i guess that's not a good idea we would just all. run out of people <laughs> be you know i know it'd be it might be better though well, if nobody in charge I, making these i know it's absolutely the case but you know and uh, i mean what, what what did our president say the other day uh you know because there's killings every single day that we need to take away ghost guns well wait a minute what has that got to do with anything i know no no one ever talks about the fact that uh, nearly every you know what they define what the fbi defines as a mass shooting uh nearly every one of them since 1950 has been in a gun-free zone so if if you want to you know when people ask well gee mike what proposal do you do you support if you don't like all these proposals what one do you support well i i support repealing the uh, Gun-Free Zone Act of, uh, I think, yeah. 1990. Let's get rid of that because clearly that's dangerous. Or if you really want to have some fun, make all 50 states gun-free, and then you'll have shootings and killings in every 50 <laughs> states. Well, you know what we're up to? So do you know what constitutional carry is? Are uh, you familiar with that term? No, but I'll let you explain it. It's Constitutional carry is basically uh, if you can legally own the gun, mm-hmm. you can carry it concealed, you can carry it open, uh, without going through, you know, really? the process of getting a CCW, a government permission slip, really? is the idea. Um, there are now twenty states, two zero, twenty states that are constitutional carry, and Texas is very, very close to becoming the twenty-first. They actually voted it in. Voted it in, and I, you know, I don't think people realize that. I don't think people realize the country we live in. You know, everybody pays attention to L.A. and Washington D.C. and New York. And meanwhile, the rest of the country is going constitutional carry, and 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 you know most people, I I I think support that support the idea, you know that hey, if you can legally own it, then it's it's your it's your responsibility to get training, but it's not the government's job to force you, you know. Yeah. No, I I, no, it's yeah. But speaking of training, we had an awesome uh, uh, shooting social this morning. Oh yeah. Yep. Right. Um, it was uh, it was at Poway Weapons and Gear. 
How'd that work out? And it, it was it was fantastic. It was awesome. It's Poway Weapons and Gear. We had Did you have uh, all girls again. Not all girls this time, but we had. Uh, let me show you the picture, and you can see this if you go to our Facebook. Have you page. noticed the uptick of girls? A ton. Well, here's look at her first shot. Look at that bullseye. If you Holy go to our Facebook moly. page, you go to facebook.com slash SDCGO, you'll see this uh, this uh, lady came, first shot ever with a gun. It is such a bullseye. Like, there's no there's no more center mass than what what she did on her first shot. That's and, what my uh, wife did the first time I took her. I did it with a 9 millimeter and a Mossberg 20 gauge. Wow. I mean, center mass, like 25 cents. Wow. Nine shots. Wow. Well, and here's what I did. So that top one, so that's at 30 yards. Okay. That's with a 4570. It's the Jurassic Park uh, lever action gun for everybody that's listening. Okay, so how many holes is that? Uh, I see two. That's actually three holes. The top one is my father-in-law, Doug. Yeah. The bottom one are my two shots. Ooh. Heck yeah. You're right on, brother. The, the kid can shoot, right? No, whoever said you couldn't. Right? <laughs> everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who hasn't seen that, that shot. <clears throat> so anyway. I have a feeling you're not throwing that one away yeah <laughs> that target is right where it's at. just end on that note all yeah. right i'm never gonna shoot a gun again yeah just right like, that's okay it. i'm good i don't need to spend any more money i don't need any ammo all right hey we're gonna take a quick break because there's a whole lot more on gun owners radio don't forget to go to uh, youtube check us out on fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, have you heard of One Million Moms Against Gun Control? Mary Callison is on the line, and we're going to learn how they're battling Bloomberg and Moms Demand Action to protect moms' self-defense rights. But first, we are so proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates. They offer elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and they provide rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn a lot more at National Concealed Carry Association.com. So, Mike, you got uh, Mary on the line? Yeah, Mary Callison from the One Million Moms against gun control wow. uh, i have a feeling it's gonna be a very very interesting segment uh i think that that what what they're doing is so necessary and such a good counter to the chosen narrative mm -hmm. uh in the media um when it comes to gun control and and moms in general so uh, mary are you there i am hello hi mary how are you <laughs> i'm fantastic how are you guys fantastic thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much for all that you do with uh, One Million Moms Against Gun Control. So tell us about One Million Moms Against Gun Control. Uh, well, thanks again for having me on here. But um, So basically, One Million Moms Against Gun Control was formed right after Newtown. Um, our founder, who is kind of stepped back with some other personal things, so myself and Rebecca Schmoy have uh, stepped up to kind of fill in the gaps. And we were formed basically to counter uh, moms Demand Action, which at that time when Shannon Watts came out, they were one million moms for gun control. So Heather kind of trolled them in using the against gun control, um, you know, to counter them. And so we spent, you know, uh, about 
two years kind of going back and forth with them. We would um, meet up at different events and try to debate and have a healthy debate. And a lot of times you get shut down. And I think pretty much now we're all blocked <laughs> from any form of communication, you know, with, uh, with Moms to Action members and um, Shannon Watts, of course. And so the, the dialogue has been shut down a little bit. Um, so, but I personally joined. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was, no, go ahead. You personally joined. So I personally joined it right after Newtown myself. And as a mom, my boys were um, almost two and, let's see, two, four, six. I can't keep math today. Um, <laughs> so they were really young. And, you know, seeing what happened at Newtown, obviously, you know, it, it affects moms. It affects people in, on a huge emotional level. But the other thing that bothered me was when Shannon Watts came out saying that she spoke for all mothers, that yeah. she was the, the voice that said, mm. we need to ban all guns because they're the children. You know, then, then uh, Obama at that point had paraded them across the stage and, you know, trying to sign executive orders against um, guns and such. And so I don't even know how I stumbled upon their Facebook page. Um, and it was fresh at that point. And I just wanted to jump in. I just wanted my voice to be heard. I never really expected to kind of continue and kind of be where we're at right now. And some of the other groups that I, that myself and Rebecca both um, rep or, you know, just want our voices to. And it, it just, I just knew that I needed to be heard as a mom, as a pro gun mom and the absolute tool that a firearm is, especially mm -hmm. for, you know, women that can't defend themselves against a larger male counterpart, you know, or, you know, other attackers. So that's pretty much how I jumped into it. <laughs> so let, I want to take a step back. Let's talk about, you said you guys kind of went back and forth for a couple of years. What, what does that actually look like? What did you guys actually do with, uh, with moms against guns? So when, if we had an opportunity to counter them, whether it be at a rally, um, I, I believe two of our members actually, they were on air and this was really early on. It was before I really, got too involved with the board side of things, but I know they debated on one of the news networks and, you know, as moms, we were not in news or, or uh, we were just moms of voices. We didn't have the background that Shannon Watts had. So it, it was hard to get our points across well-spoken, um, you know, countering with the correct verbiage and all these things. But basically it was just where the pro gun side of things we've seen, you know, what violence can do to a person and we need to be able to have that tool to defend ourselves, to stop that violence, you know, or if teachers, talking about teachers and, and getting them trained, um, just like anybody else, you know, they're, they're human beings, they can train outside of, of school and have that opportunity to have that firearm in class, you know, concealed until the time was needed, you know, to defend those kids. But a lot of the talking points were, you know, you're basically children are, are in a school that is not protected. Um, I even looked at our school here in our little town and, you know, you just see these points of they could get in at any of these points and have no problem, you know, hurting and committing just, you know, mass violence. So, and how, how much, them how much them. interaction did you guys try? Did you guys actually say, Hey, let's sit down and have a conference and let's see if we, we can did. hash this yeah. out. And what was the, what was their, we tried, um, they, they didn't want to. And it, nope, it's, it really, don't. the response really has not changed whatsoever. So, we know we're not going to change the minds of those that are entrenched within the anti-gun or anti-rights side of things. You're not going to change Shannon Watts. You're not going to change some of the other large leaders within that group. Yeah. So you really then have to educate and really get a hold of those that are the, the, the fence sitters and those that are like, well, 
I, you know, you, you see it and you see that you could do something, you know, you really have to talk to them. Those that are trying to stop violence, but aren't necessarily anti-gun. They, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to reach those middle of the road people right now. Well, and that's, so that's actually why I'm asking you about it because we mm-hmm. talk, you know, I run San Diego County gun owners. We're a political uh, organization. We focus just on second amendment issues and I, we work with activists sure. all day long. And, uh, one thing I, you know, I get a lot of questions from people. Well, how do you convince somebody? And it's right. hard. It's hard to tell them, don't. You know, you don't. You, you there are so many. There's so much low hanging fruit out there. There are so yes. many pro gun people out there who aren't involved that you can help get involved. There are so many fence sitters that all you have to do is take them to the range and 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 show them if you. You know, there's so much good work yes. you can do rather than banging your head because we've had very similar uh, uh, interactions with Moms Against Guns and uh, and uh, the Brady organization. In fact, we had a seminar to uh, we had a panel discussion with some attorneys and some activists to show you how to comply with California's gun laws. That's all it was. Oh wow, okay. Okay. And, yeah, it was a couple hours and I, I think it was it was like a nom like like 10 bucks something like that, but it was it was, you know, sure. it was an educational event. We had to get extra armed security because the venue required it because there were threats coming from moms against guns. They were going to oh shoot my. you. Can you believe that? They were going to shoot you. <laughs> I, well, I, honestly, yes. And if yeah. you go on Twitter, you spend time on social media and you see just how vile something can be. Yes. Absolutely vile. They would have no problem. They, they want, they're against violence or, okay, so they're against guns, but not necessarily violence. <laughs> so use it, you know, at, at any point. That, that is kind of a scary thing. That's incredible yeah it was and i mean this this isn't this was coming from it was from the the fairgrounds here in san diego and their head of security oh was a, a former uh uh high-ranking deputy in the sheriff's department who said yeah we have we have real intelligence that they're going to cause you guys harm oh you have to you have to get uh armed uh, uh armed guards for that that's crazy wow. that's crazy yeah. So we got through it, oh and part goodness. of me, part of me, kind of goes, you know, cool. I'm going to tell this story for about 20 years. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Thank you so much but for. That's just it. That's just it. They don't, they they don't have a problem with violence necessarily. That's the scary part, and they think we're unhinged. <laughs> and they and they don't want a robust uh, debate, which is what no. we used to have back in the day. You had a debate, whether you agreed right. or disagreed, had nothing to do with it. You pitched your your thoughts. They pitched their thoughts. That way, the general public can make a decision on their own. But they don't even sure. want to do that. Right, right. So what's no, the main, what's what's the main crux of your activities? What do you guys do uh, mainly uh, with the so, organization? Right now, we have kind of we've stepped back a little bit just because I am running fifty million and one things. So I'm kind of multitasking. I'm either when I'm posting online and I'm researching, I'm probably sitting out with goats on the farm or whatnot. Um, and I'm homeschooling children this year, so we're kind of going over uh, Constitution and, and little things like that, and I'll post snippets if I can. Um, but basically what we have tried to do is become more of a liaison. So we have a lot of followers. We've got a, a huge base right now, and we're trying to connect as best we can with other um, groups or other um say your rifle associations, like I'm in Illinois, so we've got the Illinois Rifle Association. We have contacts with them, like Rhonda Azell, a good friend of mine, and she is uh, doing a lot of work in the city of Chicago, so we're trying to, you know, whenever she has something going on, we're trying to push it out. If you guys had something going on, we want to post it out. We want to be that liaison between whether it's general public and other groups or or putting people within um, 
you know, whether it's ladies range days or shooting days or education days, things like that. And we've found that it's easier to work with established groups than it is trying to build up again and have groups per state because you find that many people kind of they kind of disappear (laughs) and you're left trying to do it all. So we found it's a little easier to have a couple people working. Um, Our friend Jill, who runs mom at arms, she and one of our, uh, we call them the behind the scenes secret person who does a lot of FOIA requests and, and uh, uncovering some incredible dirt on, you know, whether it's politicians or anti-gun folk and, and Shannon Watts and stuff, they're fantastic people. So she's running a few things and, and um, our website and such and, and data gathering. So and, do you guys, and do you guys take stuff. membership or how does that work? We don't. So what we are doing, and both Rebecca and I are part of the D.C. Project. And if, if you're not familiar with the D.C. Project, Very familiar. it is. Oh, yeah. yeah, one okay, of our, good. do you know Gino, Gina Roberts? Do you know I Gina Roberts? Gina Roberts. I was going to do a shout out. Yeah. yeah so she, you know uh, Tatiana Whitlock? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. Tatiana and Judy Wells, they do a show, Responsibly Armed Radio, on the same station. Yes. So, That's and, awesome. And I think you're right what you're doing. Don't reinvent the wheel. Partner exactly. with the people that have already, you know, sort of blazed the trail, so to speak. And if enough groups get together and form a major group, we, we may have a shot at, at turning the tide. Right, right. And it's it's just easier to do that and bring them together because, uh, you know, I'll look online or some of the other groups and it's like, yeah, yeah here's another gun group started. And it's like, yeah. how about, can we all just work together? Honestly, right. it's not about me. It's not about Rebecca. It's not about our group. It's about being able to come together. And that's right. what the anti-gun side does very well. You know, they come oh, yeah. together on a level that we're like, uh, here we are infighting. They can use that against mm-hmm. us. And you've got certain levels of gun ownership. It is, it, it's insane. So we figured we have a platform. We have a base. We kind of have an idea. We're working on a few other things, kind of slow again. Um, you know, we are literal grassroots. Yeah. We don't ask for membership money or whatnot, but we do ask and we do send. This is the membership portion of it on our website. Um, it is getting a little revamped right now, but we did have a link. And, and if it was to sign up, it was to sign up with the D.C. project in each state. And obviously, it's it's mainly geared towards women. Mm. You know, we have men supporters, but for the ladies that want to get involved, you know, we're meeting, I, I think the fight needs to go back to everybody's respective states. You know, it's very important on the federal level to go and meet with your um, your your legislators on that, that end. A- but absolutely. But it's the state things. You know, you're looking at Texas right now. I was listening in that tail end of your conversation, and if you didn't catch the whole, uh, one of the legislators, I don't know, telling Texas must have an issue with uh, pimps or something. I'm so <laughs> we're going to hold you over to the next segment, yeah. Mary. We're going to talk to you in just a minute. we got to go pay some bills, though. Yeah, so right. don't, don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to be coming back after a quick commercial, and we'll continue to talk to Mary Callison, One Million Moms Against Gun Control. She's going to talk about that some more right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, before we go to our great commercial, I want to throw a shout out to Ghost Hammer. AKs are better than old dude Tim. <laughs> Watching us on YouTube. I think I like old dude Tim already. <laughs> hey, the not hashtag not me SD movement is SDCGO's initiative to stop sexual assault and end domestic violence. The sad reality is that these crimes are happening more frequently. 
And as part of our effort to end the crisis, SDCGO is providing assistance for any woman who owns or would like to own a firearm, seek training, and or would like to apply for a CCW, which is a concealed carry weapons permit. And for all new gun owners, we offer help, expertise, and resources. We want you to be successful and understand the decision you made to protect yourself and your loved ones. We are here for you. So sign up at notmesd.org. So we're talking to Mary Callison from the uh, One Million Moms Against uh, Gun Regulation. Wait, did I say that right? <laughs> gun control. Gun control. There gun you go. Control. Close I was enough. close. Um, and we were talking all about the organization, how you guys got involved. So tell us why are why are if if you were going to talk to uh, you know uh, somebody that didn't understand the group, why why is it important that uh, that you as a mom own a firearm? So I will share our uh, unfortunate story. So basically, um, I got involved in all that. It was great. I carried, but it was like you kind of carried uh, when you wanted to kind of carry. Um, but on August 29th of 2015, my own sister was the survivor of a very brutal home invasion. Mm. And um, it was on our mom's birthday. And I had pulled out of my driveway that morning, and I didn't have my firearm on me. And I kind of stopped, and I was like, all right, I'm running late. I can't. I, I got to go. So it was a rainy, little rainy day. Uh, traffic was really bad, so I jumped off the highway, and I drove past my parents' street. My sister was living at my parents' home this time. She was 26 at the time. And I didn't stop. I told the boys, we have the water tower. We got to get to grandma's. And we were headed to my grandma's house to celebrate, and I figured I'd just see them later. Well, I get over there about 25 minutes later, and I'm pulling up to the house, and my other sister basically almost hits my car and yells that our sister's been stabbed. And, you know, it's one of those things your brain goes, what? And picked up my parents. We got to the hospital. I don't even, it was all a blur. Um, But basically what had happened is this guy, he's a real bad dude from Indiana, and my parents' home is off the interstate or close to it. And he had, quote, unquote, gotten lost on the side street. And he had pulled in the driveway. My sister was getting everything ready to go in the car. And he asked her for some money. And she, you know, her car's running. She's ready to go. And she's like, I have no money. I I can't give you anything. And so she had this really unsettling feeling. And she went back in the house. But she left her phone, purse, everything in the running car. So she went inside, locked the door. And the guy had pulled out. But then he pulled back in. And she was, she'd seen the car and the wipers going on his car. And she looked out the window and the guy was looking in the other window, kind of rubbing his hands together, casing the place, basically like that behavior, that nervous behavior. And he came and knocked on the door and he had asked, you know, uh, she opened the window. She did not open the door. She opened the window and asked what he wanted. And he said, I need a phone. And she said, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I can't give you the phone. Go down the street. There's, you know, a couple stores to see if you can use the phone there. You know, and he just pressed for it a few more seconds and he didn't like that answer, and he decided to uh, kick in the door. So two kicks, and Jeez. he was through the door. And basically, he proceeded to stab her each time she didn't tell him where the money was, Jeez. which was nowhere. That's um, he, so he ended up stabbing her 17 times. Mm. He beat her upside the head, um, breaking and, and shattering her orbital socket to the point where her eye was starting to fall through. And then he did sexually assault her um, upstairs. He dragged her up there. And then at some point he dragged her back down and she had said he put her, he was, she was in the kitchen and he stabbed her one more time thinking, well, he told the court that he was going to knock her out or something. And, uh, 
somehow, by the grace of God, we don't know, she was able to get out of the house naked and bleeding, running across the street to the neighbor's house, mm. and she was able to um, get help. They called the ambulance. It, it did take them quite a long time. And what people don't understand is the amount of time it takes for law enforcement to get to a scene could be deadly for the victim. Um, it took the ambulance, and it was, I'm, I'm going to say it was about 18 to 20 minutes, and they're literally under a minute down the road. The police are a minute down the road, literally just around the block from my parents, and it took them forever to be able to get there. So people need to understand if you don't have a firearm or something to be able to combat somebody else or protect yourself from somebody else that's attacking you, you may not survive that. You know, you have seconds to react like my sister did, and you don't have that, you may not survive. And How, how is your sister today? She is doing fantastic. Good. She actually just got married uh, two weeks ago. To yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, it, it's awesome. been a long couple of years. She's had a lot of demons to battle yeah. with that, but she's used her story. Um, when we go, we were asked the next year to go with the DC project in DC, and she actually was able to share her story with legislators and the very ones that are writing red flag laws. I think we sat down in um, Lindsey Graham's office. Um, the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee and and shared her story and discussed, you know, the red flags would uh, most likely could cause re-victimization of her. You know, say somebody claims she's got PTSD from her from right. the incident and have her firearm taken. And um, the sad thing was it was two weeks prior, knowing all that I knew, you, you know, look back hindsight's twenty twenty, knowing all that I know um, and not getting her going gun shopping fast enough and not getting her that training and having it. and we grew up around guns. We, it's not that we didn't like guns or anything else. It just wasn't like on the the top of your mind to get. You know, and yeah. in Illinois, you've got to have a Floyd. You got to have your concealed carry. It, it gets costly here. So, and I'm sure you understand. Be California, you guys, whoo, yeah. quite the restrictions out there. It's, but it's kind of ridiculous. You know, I, I it is, it is. So, you know, we ta I share her story, and she's the she is my those days that get tough where I'm like oh my gosh, I've got so much on my plate. Can I give any more? Can I talk to any more people? Because I get a lot of messages and, and it's like, please, will you talk to so-and-so? She went through this. Or, you know, I had a fellow law enforcement wife, sister was stabbed it up two years before my sister. You know, so, and you're constantly talking. It's emotionally like, it's draining. But at the same time, it's like how I can't, go back and protect my sister at this point in helping her then. And I can't help those in the past, but I sure as heck can help somebody in the future take their safety seriously and, and understand the respons responsibility they have to get that training, whether it's, you know, firearms and non-firearms, you know, training. You need both because if you don't have an access to firearms, you've got to be able to fight some other way. So she is my biggest inspiration to being able to help women. Wow. I just, I can't, what I saw in the emergency room, you can't unsee that. No, and no, no, to no. actually see what violence does and to actually clean your own sister's stab wounds, it, it makes you just on fire to oh. help other people. So did, so, so did they catch this guy, Mary? They did her in, she has incredible, a sense of recall on details. They caught him three days later. Her, um, description of him was almost like it was eerily identical to him. It was crazy. They caught him uh, going back to Indiana. Several of the law enforcement departments worked on him. And uh, so he was arrested in Indiana. And uh, Governor Pence at the time, or Vice President Pence at that time, Governor Pence, 
did sign the extradition of him back to Illinois so he could stand trial. And she faced him in court, wow. and it was amazing. And it, so, you know, so we, we have a he, voice. Is he still in prison? Help is he still in prison? He is. He will be there for <laughs> 68 years, I believe, plus time served, which was two years at that point. Not long enough. So he'll not, never get out. Not no, long I, enough. It's never long enough. It's never long so, enough, but he'll never have a life outside of it. So that's something that I don't think uh, – gets talked about enough. I was going to say that we don't talk about it enough, but we talk about it a lot. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, uh, we, meaning gun owners across the country, but something that, uh, you know, media, it's it's tough for media to cover when something doesn't happen. So right. one to two million times per year, somebody uses a firearm to prevent a mm-hmm. tragedy, to prevent something yep. from happening. And that's not a story. So, you know, right. how do you how do you cover something that didn't happen? But the reality is, if they continue to you know restrict people's ability to carry and own these self-defense tools, um, you know I would much rather hear uh, you know read stories uh, in in the newspaper and, and online about people who defended themselves rather than people who were victims. And I, right. get, getting that across to media has been such a difficult task. It's really hard too. It's really hard too, and they look at you like you're nuts when you do. I, I did that on. Um, I drove uh, an hour and a half or so towards the city when the oh, the kids, they had the walkout day yeah. um, protesting, you know, the, it, basically it was led by Moms Man Action under the guise of children. And, you know, I, I spoke to several of the news media there, and at that point I was able to share, you know, Melissa's story and, and things that happened. And it's, the looks you get from some, you won't change their mind either. <laughs> They're not going to do a story, mm. you know, uh, unless it's, it's that negative, you know, the, the firearm that, that was the negative portion of it. If they don't do a lot of it, gets buried when it's the positive stories on, you know, defending yourselves. I mean, what was it, the 12 or 13-year-old kid that defended his family, yeah, you know, that. using his rifle? Yeah, I mean, those stories are incredible. And my, my boys are, you know, 9 and 13 now, and we have those discussions. We're out in the country. And a response time, my husband's uh, law enforcement, but he's also a volunteer fire. And the amount of time it takes for him, when they get a call to get out somewhere, it's it's going to be too long, and so I try to I try to use my experience with my sister and and my experience in the country and what my husband does to be able to get that across as best as possible to law enforcement or to um, the media mm-hmm. and and I have a couple contacts, but it's really hard to I guess it's until something happens to them. Unfortunately, it it doesn't get across correctly or their hands are tied and they can't. But I had a prominent uh, Chicago news lady that came to me after my sister came out and she says, I'm going to tell my story to you. And it's she could not, of course, interject that and her survival things, you know, and being able to survive and tell her story on, on the air because, you know, no narrative. But, you know, she shared it with me. So some you might reach others. I, d- I don't think they'll air the stories. They, they just get buried. Right. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And, you know. So what, what was, so what was Lindsey Graham? What was Lindsey Graham's uh, response to all this? So he was not in them that day, and I really wish he was. Um, it was, I want to say, it was four staffers, and they were the ones that had the direct mm. um, uh, verbiage of everything. And we discussed my sister's story again, and you know the revictimization that it could cause, and also just the my, a friend of ours was red flagged during a uh, divorce proceeding. And is fighting now to have to get his Floyd card and, and firearms back. And it was not a legitimate, there should have been no concern. She, right. she abused that red flag. And we tried to let them, you know, 
they're like, well, we'll protect, you know, we'll make sure things are protected. We'll make sure we investigate it. I'm like, well, you know, in our state right now, we have red flag laws, and I don't believe that they're investigated before things are taken. <laughs> so... What's your we, website, we Mary? We try to do that. Yeah, what's your uh, website? We are one mmagc.org. One mmagc.org. Check them out. Thank you so much, Mary, for all that you guys are doing. Appreciate you, your time you. And, and everything that you do. And give your sister a big Thank hug so for us. Give Please your sister do. a big, Will big do. hug for us. Will do. All right, kiddo. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but hey, don't go anywhere. We got Bill DC coming up next on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster and easier with Seal One. CL1 CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects your guns. It's also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. And if you're tired of smelling like a gas station after cleaning your guns, try CL1. Pick some up at Gunfighter Tactical over on Miramar Road or ask it by name at your local shop. Clean your guns faster and better with CL1. Use code GOR25 for a 25% discount off your first order on their website at seal1.net. And don't do like Michael and put your gun under the sink. Hey, why not? It worked, though, didn't it? Yeah. Let's put it in the uh, dishwasher. We'll seal one, <laughs> then put it through the dishwasher. There you go. <laughs> so we're going to talk to uh, my, my my buddy Bill DC from uh, CCW USA. He's a longtime instructor in uh, San Diego. In fact, I just got a, uh, somebody just uh, texted me and said that uh, they think he is the best basic firearms instructor in San Diego County. Wow. So, yeah. So, Bill, how you doing, man? I'm good. How about yourself? Fantastic. Uh, yeah, let's give you the address to where to send the check. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, how long have you been an instructor, man? I originally got certified, I think, in 1991. It was uh, early 1900s, as we like to call it. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I, you and I go back years. Um, I, I used to take lessons. So I think you, you like to refer to me as your 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 best student you've ever had, or, or something along those lines. I can't remember if those. Oh, the is exact that why words. you got two yeah. bullets in the same hole? That's is exactly that all because right. of Bill? Yeah. <laughs> it's Bill's training, right? Okay, most most improved, maybe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, Bill, you uh, what kind of class? You teach all kinds of classes. You teach, uh, uh, you know, everything from the very basics all the way up to, uh, uh, you know, CCW and some advanced classes and that sort of thing, right? T talk about some of the curriculum that you offer. Yeah. So basically, um, uh, I, I used to joke with a buddy of mine that basic farms instructor was kind of an insult, but, <laughs> but like you can teach the basics. You can teach a beginner how to not shoot themselves. Uh, and that is the basics. That is the beginning thing, how to be safe and responsible with your firearm uh, and how to follow those safety rules, uh, whatever you're doing with the gun, uh, anytime you're handling it. But really good shooters, all they're doing is they're performing the basics. They're executing extremely well at a higher level. So it's not like you go to beginner class and then we teach you one thing and then you go to an intermediate class, we teach you something completely different. And then you go to an advanced class and it's like everybody learns how to levitate and do yoga positions or something. <laughs> it's all the basics just done extremely well. 
with less dwell time. So less what is dwell time? time is the kind, dwell time is, is uh, taking, like if I said, okay, Mike, I want you to give me one shot center mass on your target. And you go, no problem. And three minutes later, you break a shot on your target right in the center. Yeah. That was uh, uh, two two minutes and uh, and fifty seven seconds of dwell time. Dwell time. Uh, so you dwell time. You're 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 adjusting things and you're you know cracking your neck and you're opening and closing your eye. Well, like, dwell time is everything that you're doing to prepare for that shot. Or like Danny Glover does, yeah, he cranks his neck <laughs> when he gets ready to shoot. That's right. That's yeah. how that's how I got that like, uh, those uh, two shots in that one cool. hole right there. Exactly what we get from TV and movies is people do all kinds of different things from adjusting their stance to taking a step to lo- dropping their head down to adjusting uh, their their grip or just all these modifications where we can break a shot much quicker if we don't, if we reduce dwell times. And really it's uh, economy of motion mm-hmm. and good movement, good mechanics with moving with your gun so you're able to either engage multiple targets or hit moving targets or uh, engage multiple targets faster than before. And we have some different skill checks that we do that kind of tell you where you're at um, and what you can do. And then we've started using a lot more metrics and measuring the uh, concealed carry permit class is basic pass or fail. Either you meet the minimum standards, which are extremely low, and you pass, and then you're good to go, which is not to say, hey, you're ready for a gunfight, uh, you know, strap on your guns and go look for trouble. Uh, it's, it's still to say our number one thing is avoid, 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 de-escalate, uh, diffuse, uh, avoid that gunfight or avoid that confrontation. But if you're preparing for a gunfight, you want to be way better than the minimum standards. You want to be to the point where you feel comfortable hey, maybe I could do a Jack Wilson 16-yard headshot on a bad guy if I absolutely had to. Right, because when, uh, when, when you're can, stressed out, when things are happening, when, when you're stressed out, things are happening, you know, and you're, you're not going to – it's not going to be your best day. You're going to be under stress. You're going to have uh, adrenaline pumping through your veins. So, you know, you're, you're not going to perform at, at, at peak performance under, under that level of uh, stress and that sort of thing. Now, when you talk about dwell time and you talk about uh, – I, I really think that's what people mean. You know, like economies of motion, dwell time, that sort of thing. That's what people mean when they when they tell you to, you know, don't work on fast, work on smooth. Uh, you know, because if you work yeah, on smooth, you'll end up getting fast. Well, there's a there's a, an old axiom that, that guys used to tell me years ago, uh, you know, uh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And it really, it's for training. When you're training to do something, if you're training to throw uh, a right, left hook and an uppercut, you're going to throw some punches. If you do them slow and smooth, you can add some speed when you pour a bunch of adrenaline on that and when you're in a fight. So you can practice your Kung Fu like Tai Chi style, nice and slow, and do it correctly. And that's how we recommend practicing the draw, accessing the gun, gripping the gun, removing it from the holster, presenting it out to the target, practice that slow and smooth, and then you'll develop good technique or good mechanics. Then when we put you on a timer or there's a bad guy trying to kill you or there's a high-stress environment, uh, you should be able to perform at a better level. Um, The problem is in real life, slow is slow and fast is fast. Um, 
But in training, when we're training to learn a skill, you can emphasize practicing and training slowly to build that neuropathway, to kind of myelinize that uh, neuropathway on how it's supposed to work Mm. to draw your gun, to press your trigger, to grip your pistol. All those things are touch points and mechanics of learning that you you can't just go like, okay, watch this video and you're good to go. Or one time and now you got it. Uh, You know, it's like otherwise everybody would play golf really well. So if so you have a, like you've have, you've trained a ton of CCW holders in San Diego, maybe more than anybody in San Diego, um, any other instructor. Um, if you, if someone gets their CCW, of course, the process now is is you know it's possible you can get your CCW now. Um, thousands of people are getting their California CCW. If you have a CCW. What is the, uh, in your opinion, what's the minimum requirement of training that someone should do every year? Uh, see, minimum training requirements, uh, it varies based on the individual. So, like, I've got some guys, I'll give you one example. I have a guy who's a professional shooter. He shoots revolvers for a living. It's his job. So we're doing a, a training evolution on the range over at the Glock store, and the, the drill is you're going to fire five rounds, standing and then you're going to fire five rounds kneeling and all the guys with some automatics have 10 round magazines and they're going to fire five and then do five kneeling five standing five kneeling the guy with the revolver fires five rounds standing reloads and fires five rounds kneeling before anybody else broke a shot (laughs) nobody else even even pressed the trigger on their gun so that tells you that guy's going to win a gunfight because he's invested that time in training and mechanics where he can do it without even thinking about it. Whereas some of the other folks are like, they, they might be fumbling on the draw or they're trying to get the gun out of the holster or they forgot to put a round in the chamber. Any mistakes mm-hmm. at that level or at that point could be catastrophic or fatal. Mm. So that's the, the consequence to the high severity of risk involved with carrying a gun is training. You have to train to a level where you feel you can get to your gun in a reasonable amount of time and deploy it if you had to under compressed time frames and a sudden surprise ambush attack. So And you don't just train attack you when you're ready for it. Right. And you don't just train others. You train with other trainers. Like I know you've you trained with John Korea recently. You've trained with Larry Vickers. You've trained with a, a bunch of professionals. Uh, tell people, why would a professional trainer train with other professional trainers? Well, there's this thing that I, I read somewhere. Uh, it might have been in the Bible, but it said, uh, sharpen the saw. And the idea is you're always in this constant state of continual improvement. And in, in business, uh, we call it Kaizen. But it's a continuous improvement or a, a goal of reaching a, a higher level or or constantly getting better and it's funny because people go i'm already pretty good or i already know i'm good enough i don't need to practice anymore and i don't think i've ever reached a point where i've gone like okay you know i did this in in 1.2 seconds i'm uh, i'm ready to go you know i'm I'm better than everybody else or something uh it's more of a a desire to improve your skills to to a higher level and and i have a lot of students that are in that same uh, I guess we call them training junkies or uh, gun school junkies is they want to learn um, 
what's the, you know, not necessarily what's the latest trick or anything or what's the latest trend, but what's going to make me more efficient with my gun. Awesome and job. Practice, 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 practice. So BillDCCWUSA.com. Check them out. Uh, CCW classes, uh, ongoing training classes. Uh, he's your guy. Thanks, Bill. You're the best, buddy. Thank you very much. All right. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. So guess what? Mike wrote an article, yep, on guns and racism. Yep, you heard me right. And what's racism have to do with guns? Well, hang in there, folks. You'll find out here in just a moment. First, I want to tell you about self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Gun owners should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year, with a comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Hey, guess what, Gun Owner Radio listeners? You can get a free T-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at uslawshield.com. And if you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like button and subscribe. And tell all your friends. Do I dare talk about who the winner is from last week? Yeah, do we have a winner? <laughs> we did this last time, too. Ah, don't be banging on the drum. Look at the deer in the headlight. We're going right, to announce so the winner at a later right date. Along, let's <laughs> talk about Michael Schwartz writing in the illustrious Union Tribune. The Union Tribune, yeah. So I uh, wrote an op-ed. The Union Tribune was uh, kind enough to You're the uh, first person I've ever met that wrote an (laughs) op-ed. I'm serious. I hear people talking about writing op-eds. I've never met one. Uh, Here I am. Thank. I'm excited. This is what we look like. I'll get my autograph later. (laughs) So the idea was uh, to talk about institutional racism. Are you familiar? What, what, do you know? Have you heard institutional racism? Do you know what institutional racism refers to? I'm going to play dumb. No. So institutional racism, basically, <clears throat> you know, you have the left side of the political spectrum, you have the right side of the political spectrum, and they're both talking a lot about institutional racism. And the left side of the spectrum is is saying, "Hey, uh, we're going to base our entire political foundation on the idea that there is institutional racism." The right side of the spectrum is basically saying. It doesn't exist. It's ridiculous. Uh, we don't believe in it. And I have yet to really find anybody that has really truly done, on either side, mm-hmm. has really truly kind of dug down and figured out, well, what does it mean? What, what exactly are we talking about when we talk about institutional racism? It's just yet another issue out there where 
you know, we draw a line in the sand and everybody picks a side Mm -hmm. and it's usually the Republicans on this side and the Democrats on that side. Mm -hmm. So institutional racism, what I wrote in the article is it describes the negative debilitating effects implemented by an institution such as a government on a particular racial group. So this article doesn't, we're not making the case that there is or is not institutional racism. That's not the point of the article. The point of the article is to discover, okay, well, this is what they're talking about when they talk about institutional racism, uh, negative debilitating effects implemented by an institution like the government on a particular racial group. And we're going to see, okay, well, what's an example of that in the gun world? Does it exist? Well, the reality is it absolutely exists. If you believe in institutional racism, first off, if you don't believe in institutional racism, you probably already are against you know restrictive gun laws. Mm-hmm. So this article isn't for you. Right. <laughs> it's not for you. It's uh, it wasn't written, you know, with with you as an audience. So I'm I'm not going. So there's a lot of people since this article that came out that want to have a discussion with me over whether or not institutional racism exists. That's not the article, right? And and it's not a tongue in cheek article. It's a very serious article. This is a concept that the other side, the other side who, who is typically uh, very much in favor of restricting your right to keep and bear arms. Sure. They believe in this concept. They believe in this, uh, uh, the, the, you know, so much that it's the, it's the foundation of a lot of their political philosophy. Okay, so let's take that philosophy and let's just talk to people who believe in that philosophy. So I came up with a couple of facts. Uh, for example, in 2018, uh, 56.2% of those convicted of federal firearms violations were black and 96.3% were men. The average age convicted was 32 huge portion. I mean, if you look at the country, maybe six or 7% of the population are black men Mm -hmm. and an even a much smaller percentage or 32 or or, or around the age 32. However, 56.2 are of the, of the, you know, jails are black and 96% uh, of those were were men. That's huge. Um, I I came up with a couple other 2017, the California department of corrections reported that 28.5% of the state's male prisoners were African-American when only 5.6% of California's adult male population is black. More than 20% of prisoners in federal prisons have weapons offenses. So what I'm doing here with these facts, you know, after defining, okay, here's what mm-hmm. institutional racism is, now let's look at some facts about uh, the justice system. Well, it turns out that a lot of, of black men, especially young black men, and I, I didn't have uh, uh, as near as many statistics, but a lot of uh, uh, people of color in general, so Hispanic, black, Asian, a lot of uh, uh, young people of color are being convicted of, of crimes that have to do with firearms and being put in jail for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then when they come out of jail, they're a felon. And when you're a felon, there are all kinds of consequences. Mm-hmm. There are jobs you can't get. You know, you, you've already spent time away from your family, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, so you have a whole community of, of people whose, whose father wasn't there. You know, they were in jail. Uh, they were convicted of some kind of uh, 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 firearms crime, right? Okay, so what is that doing? Well, it's destroying com- it's communities. You know, it's destroying communities. And if you look at, okay, well, where are all these firearms laws coming from? Well, California has a disproportionate amount of firearms laws on the books. Mm-hmm. So you have a state that has a ton of firearms laws, okay? And as a result, has a ton of people in jail because of these firearms laws. And if you look at the people who are in jail in California or on the federal level in California, uh, you know they're in jail because of these firearms laws. If you look at the makeup of those people, they're typically uh, men and they're typically 
people of color, especially black men. So given all those facts and given uh, everything that they've said about institutional racism, the laws that are being uh, um, proposed at the state level and especially at the federal level now and the laws that are already on the books in California, like assault weapons bans and uh, you know different types of carry bans, I mean, endless, endless gun laws in California, the conclusion that you have to come to if you believe in institutional racism is that restrictive gun laws like they have in California and like they're proposing nationally is going to spread and, and uh, enable and further uh, institutional racism. So the same people out there that have built their political foundation on the idea that institutional ra- racism exists also want to spread institutional racism by more gun laws and spreading them to all 50 states. And, and hopefully everybody really listened to what you said because the percentages you gave, the word murder was not in that conversation at all. You're talking about these folks that either had a gun illegally, had maybe be in their car. Well, um, it could be. So it could be all the above. It could be. Yeah, the, that's the, what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's not all murder. Right. You know, that the reason all these, these black men are in prison is because they killed everybody. Well, murder's horrible, and we want people Without committed. Yeah, we want people committed murder to be in jail. But imagine you, uh, you know, you, you had some kind of low-level violation. You were pulled over for something. You know, uh, you were maybe in a fight. Or you know, my with dad somebody gave or me a gun, and I never registered it. Well, no, forget that, though. Just imagine you're doing some kind of low-level okay, misdemeanor, low level okay. right? And while they're investigating that misdemeanor, they find a gun. now they found some kind of federal or some kind of uh, a felony violation on firearms. So uh-huh. maybe you would have gone to court and gotten a fine. Now you're in jail for 10 years, yeah. and you're a felon. Gotcha. See what I mean? So not only are they going to jail because of firearms violations, but they're going to jail for a much longer time and much higher consequences. And so, okay, fine. You're telling me that's destroying communities. Great. Then stop doing it. Well, stop uh, uh, advocating for stricter gun laws because that is, by your definition, institutional racism. There's no way to argue against that. And there's people that want to talk to you about this? (laughs) Well, you just did, Dave. (laughs) Oh, that's right. I forgot. (laughs) That's all that's important to me. That's all that's important. All right, folks. Wow. That's that's amazing. Don't touch that dial. We'll be back shortly right here on FM 96 AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Home of Nancy Pelosi, Gavin Newsom, and Dianne Feinstein. Guess what you can get in San Francisco now? Believe it or not, concealed carry weapons permits. Stick around, and we're going to be talking to Raymond Kim about this amazing news. you got to be kidding me. I don't know. You're not spoofing me. Well, let's see what he has to say. Well, hey, Blackhound Optics, accurate, affordable, guaranteed, sporting optics that go the distance backed by customer service that goes that extra mile great guys great products and a great company that is making optics affordable on top of quality optics they pay close attention to the customer experience did you know their scopes come with mounts so you don't have to worry about finding out the one that fits and we are so excited to have them as their official partner of the show and for them at your local ask for them at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundoptics.com. 
So we're going to talk to Raymond Kim. Raymond is a Second Amendment activist, and uh, you're actually going to get to see more of him on a uh, um, uh, it's a panel discussion that we have coming up. Uh, should be out this week on uh, the uptick in violence against Asian Americans mm-hmm. in America, especially in California. Um, Raymond is extremely involved in Second Amendment activism and is an all-around great guy. How you doing, Raymond? Hey, Michael. How's it going? Good, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the air with us. So talk to us about CCWs in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, uh, well, I'm sure everybody's somewhat shocked about L.A., but um, I, I guess San Francisco, it's, uh, it's, it seems like uh, they're taking baby steps. Hmm. Um, so, so, you know, I, uh, you know, given everything that's going on in San Francisco and, you know, pretty much uh, you know, everybody – you know, just common sense, but the academic research also shows that, you know, criminals pick on uh, people that are vulnerable. Um, and, you know, and, and largely in New York and San Francisco, well, you pretty much know everybody walking around is, definitely does not have a CCW and, and they are vulnerable. Um, so, because cities, know, cities so, like so, New York so, and San Francisco, they, they, because they don't typically issue CCWs, yeah. you know, criminals know that, hey, nobody out there is, is armed. Nobody's going to be able to defend themselves. So everybody's a walking yeah. target. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, studies, uh, uh, right in Rossi, 1994, they, they interviewed over 5,000 felons. And, and every, and uh, you know, the vast majority of felons say that they try to find out if their victim is armed or not. Yeah. And if they are armed, they, don't, they want to leave them alone. They want to pick on somebody else. Their num- right. criminal's number one fear is an armed victim. That, that that's not a that's not a bumper sticker. That that was basically scientifically proven from this survey that you yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, yeah, you know, so San Francisco, we you know, I I, I emailed them because I know we we had a we had so many people uh, from San Francisco join uh, Asian American Gun Owners of California. Um, you know, right. Uh, you know, when, when all the uh, violence around uh, New Year's, uh, Chinese New Year's, uh, was happening uh, in late uh, January, early uh, February, especially with the, the murder of uh, Vicha, the 84-year-old uh, senior from, from Thailand who was, uh, you know, helping out with his grandkids uh, in San Francisco. And, and basically, uh, yeah, so, so uh, you know, knowing that we had a lot of members that were, you know, kind of, you know, desperate and, and they're just, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, joining and, and trying to figure out how to, you know, how to even buy a gun and, you know, how to even defend themselves or what the laws are and everything like that. Or even to find a support group where it's kind of normalized, you know, I, so I reached out to San Francisco uh, sheriffs uh, and, you know, basically I was trying to uh, really pressure them into, Hey, what's going on? Why, you know, this is, your anti-CCW policy is disproportionately impacting Asian Americans because of, you know, look at all these hate crimes and, and you know, not having CCWs is, is, uh, is, is terrible for what's going on with all the seniors and women. Um, and, and they basically got back to me, uh, the, uh, the legal team uh, at, at San Francisco Sheriff's uh, sent me their CCW packet. Hmm. Um, and then I kind of, uh, you know, I looked through it and, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know they have some uh, kind of strange requirements. They they basically have it so that uh, you can't you can't you can't conceal carry a 1911. <laughs> you can't have a, a 380 ACP. Uh, you know only nine millimeter, 40, 45, and you know there's a list of brands that they that they'll uh, be okay with. But you know the biggest question 
uh, is, you know, what is good cause? What, you know, right. what's their good cause requirement? So let me, but Raymond, let me, let me just kind of recap here. So you, when you reached out to the sheriff's department, did you just email their general info ad or how did you, who exactly did you reach out to? I just kept on calling and, you know, I kind of, you know, I was threatening legal action because I'm pretty sure our members are willing to, you know, uh, uh, put in money to sue uh, San Francisco sheriffs if if we had to, because uh, San Francisco sheriffs is the only county in all of California that does not have a dedicated CCW unit. Uh, but they have a backgrounds unit that kind of does it, you know, as their side, uh, you know, responsibility. But, um, you know, it, it's not it's nowhere on their website. Uh, there, there's nothing about it. Um, you know, I literally had to call and, and threaten to sue, you know, on behalf of our members to even get an application and find out that there is an application and there is a process. So, all right, so, so you called up and, and you know, it followed up and and really hammered them and finally their their legal uh counsel uh sent you an application and said you know what was it based was it kind of a you know here's an application apply you know go for it or what was what was their what was their general what what were you supposed to do with that application just see that it existed or were they trying to tell you how yeah we'll issue yeah i guess i guess they're kind of sending it uh as in like oh if your members are that mad well here it is you know you could send it to them kind of thing um, and, and I guess, uh, um, yeah, you, you know, I, I, I mean, definitely, um, you know, ha- had to, you know, try to, it, 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 it basically, I think they weren't really, you know, this isn't something that they normally do unless, you know, somebody really bugs them about it. And I, they said they only had two applications, uh, in all of last year. Hmm. And San Francisco has the highest, you know, <laughs> property crime rate in all of California. Hmm. Um, so, like, for only two people to have applied, um, you know, I mean, it's not on their website. It's not talked about anywhere. I don't think they would have sent it to me unless, um, you know, I, you know, they, they, they basically had the lawyer send it to me. Their, their chief legal counsel um, uh, send it to me because I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, they're trying to, I think they're really prepared uh, to possibly get sued unless they send me something and show that, hey, you know, we're trying, you know, we're trying and here's the process. So, we're not, so, you know, so we're what's not the next step? Are you get, do you, is someone going to, you know, is someone going to apply? I know we've seen, I, we were actually at a, at a seminar not too long ago that had a bunch of different counties um, represented, including counties like Imperial and LA, who aren't really known for issuing permits. And in, in, in LA yeah. County, the sheriff just, I uh, had a conversation online where he talked about, you know, hey, this is how many we have in the pipeline. And, you know, in a lot of different counties, a lot of counties are are, are starting to issue more and more. Counties that really didn't issue before are issuing, you know, uh, uh, and people are starting to adopt kind of a, a standard process. In fact, it, it appears to me that a lot of people are copying Orange County's uh, process. Orange County seems to kind of have, uh, they kind of have a, uh, you know, kind of a, well, a process in place that that makes a lot of sense and it's pretty efficient, and they're using permidium and everything. So, a lot of county, most oh, counties, you're talking about the online, their online application, right, right. And oh, mo- yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- most counties are issuing really in California. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, do you, do you think is is San Francisco following suit, or what? What do you think's gonna what's what's next? Yeah, so- 
So one thing that's actually kind of interesting, I, it, it, it seems like, because yeah, I was trying to get to who, what is good cause? And I kept on asking the, the woman that, you know, uh, that collects the material. Yeah. Uh, and she basically says she sends it to the chief legal counsel of San Francisco sheriffs. And then the chief legal counsel basically gives it to the sheriff. So the sheriff reads, the sheriff himself reads it and decides, you know, like in most other counties, there's kind of this guideline and then right. the head of the CCW unit just kind of, you know, says, Hey, this is approved. And then the sheriff just kind of signs it off as if, you know, like it probably takes a couple seconds, just, you know, going through the paperwork or something, but literally like the sheriff, uh, Miyamoto, he's, he's really reading them and he's deciding himself. So I think if he's only had two applications, um, you know, it could be, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful because his family was incarcerated in the Japanese incarceration camps wow. in World War II. So, you know, if you know anybody that had family or they were, they lived through that, they're so, so pro constitution, you know, they're, they're, they don't, they, they hate the idea of anyone's, constitutional rights being taken away so i I have this hope that maybe you know there is a part of him that's kind of like uh you know believes in that and you know at the same time if he's only had two applications and you know i I guess it is kind of you know it 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 would be uh you know so i i told my members today online you know hey uh you know the sheriff himself is deciding so you know it'd be nice to get uh some more you know, feedback to what good causes by actually applying. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I don't believe in, you know, if you apply and you get denied, that is a, that is a mark on your record. Cause you know, on the CCW application, it asks you, have you ever been denied before? Um, and I think most places will probably understand if you got yeah. denied by LAPD or San Francisco sheriffs, but at the same time, you know, it's still like, it's still not nothing. Well, so, you know, what you're describing is very similar to what we were dealing with in San Diego. There was this uh, narrative, really, um, and this belief that uh, that that they wouldn't uh, issue, and, and it was based on fact. It's not like it was, you know, it was out of thin air. But there was a belief that they wouldn't issue based on the fact that they weren't issuing. <laughs> so nobody yeah, applied. And you guys really pushed David Myers, right? Uh, uh, well, we 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 endorsed the Myers when he ran for sheriff. But what we and that helped us uh, get to Sheriff Gore and get him to start issuing. But when the problem was, uh, that was huge news. That was I. I just remember that was just something that stuck out to me. I was like, "Wow!" You know, um, it, it just kind of flashed, uh, you know, like like a lighthouse for everybody. Like, yeah. hey, this is a this is the way to go, kind of thing. Yeah. So, all right, well, thanks for saying. I mean, we 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 worked really hard, and people, you can get it. You're getting people are getting CCWs in San Diego now. I mean, it's a it's a one eighty. Yeah. But that, when that, it, be, that awesome. before yeah. that happened. When we would talk to the sheriff, he'd say, well, you know, nobody's applying, you know, and, and the, the two or three or whatever, 10 people that are applying, you know, 90% of them are getting, uh, you know, getting uh, approved. And so, you know, that that's part of the fight. That was part of the problem. And it sounds like in San Francisco, they've created this same narrative based on fact. And but but now you're up against kind of the same problem. And you know, I don't, I don't know if if if, if they had two thousand applications tomorrow, it wouldn't necessarily solve the problem, but it's definitely one piece of the problem. It's one piece of the solution. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, absolutely. I tell you that's the next step. Hey, you know what? Hold on, we're going to hold you into the next segment, and we're going to talk more about this. Raymond Kim, okay, thanks, perfect. man. Hold on for just okay. a minute. Don't go anywhere. Hey, folks, did you know we're doing in-depth video interviews on YouTube? Watch our Magnum interview by going to GunOwnersRadio.com/slash/Magnum. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. PRMI slash Alpine. Are you in the military looking for help for a VA loan? Well, if you're looking to buy a refi, or if you're just considering a reverse mortgage, give our guy a call. That would be Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. All right, let's get back to Raymond Kim. Yeah, we're talking to Raymond about uh, the possibility of getting a CCW in San Francisco and... Uh, He's gone to battle, I guess, with uh, <laughs> with uh, with uh, the with the San Francisco Sheriff's Department, and they're actually making noise that hey, we're looking for applicants. Is that is that fair to say? Do you think that uh, Raymond that they're they're basically uh, saying yeah, all right, let's let's get some applications in and see how it goes? I think it's not even there yet. It, hmm. It's it's to the point where it's kind of um, you know they're they 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 they're still foreign with the concept of a CCW. Um, you know, the uh, you know, I mean, if you look at their their requirements for for the for tra- their training requirements to pass, I mean, uh, I, I mean, of course, it's always good to train more and to be as trained as possible. But they have they have a you have to qualify from 25 yards, um, you know, and I mean, obviously, if you have a one of these pocket pistols uh, that you that you pocket carry, I mean, at 25 yards, that's that's pretty tough because you're you're you know, optimally, it's you know, for 10 yards or less. So, I mean, um, it, it seems like they're, it seems like they're trying to, it's, it's kind of like, um, somewhat discouraging and somewhat, you know, they don't think, uh, they, 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 uh, they, it, it seems like a foreign concept to them, but then I, you know, spent a lot of time trying to talk to them and trying to normalize it just from, yeah. so they can hear that, Hey, other counties have, you know, they have, there's, you know, over 200,000 CCWs in California. And, you know, there's all this data that shows it's going to reduce violent crime. Um, and, you know, it, that, that's what we're seeing in Texas and North Carolina where all the CCW data is available. Yeah, I was trying to just talk to them and normalize it because, you know, a lot of times in San Francisco, like, if you talk about guns, you're like, oh, you're the bad guy kind of thing, you know. So it's, it's, it's it's like it's like you're you know LGBTQ in the 1980s basically. You know? Well, they're setting you up to fail, is what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> they're setting you up so that you fail, and then they can say, "Well, you know, you didn't pass the requirements." Sorry. Hmm. Yeah, you know, but the thing is, though, I'd I'd like to, uh, you know, I think people are still getting used to the idea that, um, hey, you know, a sheriff's good cause is a reason that he can be elected or not elected. And I think, um, you know, that just having come this far where people can even uh, realize that, I think it, it's it's great because, you know, if you remember three, four years ago, people waiting for two, three years for their CCW interview or their live scan, they actually believe that a live scan is going to take a year or two. Yeah. You know, people actually believe, like, yeah, yeah well, it's going to take two or three years because that's how long the background takes. No. <laughs> and like they have nobody to, to verify whether that's true or not. You know, there is so much misinformation out there. I, I think now that we're at least uh, we're at least uh, you know transmitting the correct good cause and and you know, hey, a sheriff's good cause is a valid reason to elect or not. 
And I think, I think you know, getting people educated and getting people uh, aware of their rights and how these all of these different pieces are connected, I think um, they'll come a long way uh, to do that. And I think, you know, I mean, especially with everything you guys did. Uh, well, you know, and I, I, how, how familiar with the sheriff's department in, in San Francisco are you? Uh, well, not, I mean, I know, I guess it's kind of strange, like the San Francisco police and San Francisco sheriffs, they like overlap jurisdictions and the police department does all the, you know, on the ground work and the sheriff like manages the jail or something like that. They don't really do anything. Yeah. San Francisco is both a county and a city and their real law enforcement is the San Diego or (laughs) San Francisco PD. And then all the sheriff does is manage jails. So, and and licensing, they do licensing, which is you know why why you have to go to them for a CCW. But it's yeah. so it's not like it's a, you know, it's not like they're. This is part. Of, this is their job. It's a bureaucracy. The sheriff's department yeah. in San Francisco is a bureaucracy. It's not really a law enforcement agency. And I'm not trying to insult them, but that's that's reality. They manage a jail. They they issue licenses. So this is right in line. You know, it, it should be. Um, should be easy. It should be easy. They should have some kind of procedure and process in place. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the only reason to vote now for sheriffs. You know, for, for San Francisco is a good cause requirement. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think just getting, uh, you know, given how many uh, members joined from San Francisco in the past two three months, I mean, uh, really hoping to get, uh, you know, to get more awareness going before the sheriff's election. So and trying to get more data from people that either gets approved or denied. Um, and let's talk about joined what group? Tell them what group you you represent. Oh, it's the Asian American Gun Owners of California. Um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, I completely understand that, you know, I mean, it's not to, it, it has a, you know, ethnic name on it because of, you know, traditionally a lot of, you know, a- Asian Americans, we don't, like, we, we, we never, the vast majority of us didn't have, you know, families that took us to learn for the first time, you know, because this is kind of a, you know, First Amendment rights and, you know, Second Amendment rights, all these uh, constitutional rights are something that, um, you know, the kids of immigrant families are, you know, growing up with kind of uh, not, you know, being taught by their parents, but just like kind of being taught by school or by society. And as you know, in California, there's, you know, none, you know, hardly any constitutional or civic engagement and, you know, uh, keeping government accountable, uh, like none of that is, is taught or emphasized. So hmm. you know, just kind of a lot of this, uh, it's just kind of a way so that people can, um, you know, understand that, oh, you know, this is something that I can do as well and it's normal for, for me to do. And I see that, you know, other people that also didn't grow up with it, you know, are embracing their Second Amendment rights. So I guess this is normal kind of thing. And, you know, anybody is welcome to join uh you know it's, it's just the the only requirement is that you're uh, you believe in the second amendment or you're curious about it um and that's the only requirement there is to join so you had a you had an influx of members joining the asian american gun owners of california uh from yeah. san francisco and that's what led you to to do some research on ccws so is it now is it is it time to start submitting applications or what do you think the next step is you know, I, I definitely think, uh, uh, you know, people in San Francisco should be applying, uh, but at the same time should be applying uh, with, uh, you know, in mind that, hey, uh, you know, this is my good cause. And if I get rejected for it, I want everyone to know so that we can uh, do something about it election time. I think I think if they have that mindset. Um, do you guys have I, another, do you have somebody running against your, your current sheriff? If You know, the election's coming up. Is uh, there- yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure, actually. Yeah, I, I haven't, I have, I didn't, I don't know uh, what the, that, like, who ran against uh, Sheriff Miyamoto or anything because yeah, I'm, I'm uh, it's, it's an interesting I mean that really is I mean because they don't really have law enforcement officers meaning that they don't have you know they're not pulling over speeders and mm-hmm. investigating you know drug crimes they're, that's all the San Francisco yeah. PD this really it becomes that much more of his job you know it's it's yeah. that much it's his a, job a, yeah it's a bigger percentage of his job one of the things that we kept running into was uh, you know people saying well gee CCW's you know the sheriff has to worry about this and this and that and that and law enforcement and the border and the thing and the this and the that. Well, in San Francisco, none of that. He's not worried about any of that. He's just supposed to look after some jails and issue some permits, you know, issue some licenses. So, you know, hey, you know, uh, why? Oh, they got a lot of licenses in San Francisco. He's a busy guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Diane Feinstein uh, definitely has had one uh, when she was SS supervisor. She yeah. admitted it on TV. So Did it take her a year to get it? <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably not. She probably got it, uh, you know, on a piece of paper at dinner time at, yeah. at some uh, at some fundraiser. So you do know you're not going to the San Francisco Sheriff's Christmas party. You do know <laughs> that, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know that's the, that's the kind of thing I feel. I feel like people in San Francisco they can't really call in pressure no. because you know they live there and they're scared that yeah. What if this is a strike against me? So I, you know, I kind of like the idea. of, Hey, I can call and they can't really do anything to me because I don't, you know, I don't live there, so they, they can't deny me my CCW So, what do you think the interest is in, Asia, in Asian American gun owners in California? There's been an uptick. Is it just more awareness, or, or what do you think's going on? Um, well, I mean, I think we're still at the stage where newer members they're still uh, this association, like, oh, if you carry a gun, that means you're gonna, that means you want to kill somebody. Mm. You know, it's just like. No, this is you carry a firearm because you want to be able to stop uh, a deadly threat against your life or great bodily harm. Um, and, you know, they, they, there's still this, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, because the vast majority of our members live and or grew up in, you know, very, you know, you know, uh, anti Second Amendment uh, areas. So I think uh, just kind of uh, getting them to see that, uh, you know, all of these underlying assumptions behind gun ownership, uh, what they're told by the media or, you know, whatever social circles that they uh, that they're a part of, that all those kind of assumptions are wrong. You know, these are you know we're not trying to go out and and kill shoot, and shoot people. We just want uh, to defend. Uh, we want to be able to stop a deadly threat. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of uh, and you know the types of deadly threats out there. I mean, you can see um, you know through all the what's been going on that uh, in a lot of those situations. I mean, if you're a woman or an elderly person. Um, you know, nobody's coming to save you. At yeah, that I was going to say, who else is going to protect you? You are your own first yeah. responder. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with being uh, Chinese, Japanese. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with having a right to protect yourself because the San Francisco PD is not going to be able to do it, and neither is the sheriff. Yeah, and you know, you know, you'd, you'd be amazed at how many people, uh, you know, have are surrounded by people that that believe in all of these things. And, and I'm telling you, they they think, you know, they need to defund police, they need to release all these criminals from jail, and then also take everybody's guns away. Like they're surrounded by people that believe in all three of these things, and it's just, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess if you just kind of grew up with that, it, it's hard to, uh, you know, you really need to kind of. Break yourself away from that in some way, and hopefully uh, that group. Yeah. Well, well, then it blows up in your face, 
And then what do you do? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's too late. Well, well Raymond, well, I'll tell I guess, you. I guess in that situation, they, they, you know, another way of thinking, well, if you were rich enough, I guess you could have had your own bodyguard or lived uh, in a area. Oh, it's all Armed security. It's like, oh, it's your fault for not being rich enough. Like, well, yeah, Raymond, check out. So it, it, for anybody that's looking to apply, they need proof of good cause, which is a good cause statement, followed by another piece of paper that proves what you say in your good cause statement. That's what they're looking for in, in most counties. So anybody that's looking to apply, I highly recommend that they look at San Diego's uh, explanation of, of good cause and how they re- how we recommend you apply. Uh, San Diego County Gun Owners. San Diego County Gun Owners dot com, or if you go to Orange. I remember, I remember when I saw your guys' video about three years ago, something like that. I was just I was blown away because you guys normalized it. Yeah, like we that did. video, it normalized having a CCW. Because we got better air down here. We got better air. Raymond, thank you so much, man. Thanks for what you're doing. Look forward to talking to you again. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, and you know. Uh, Love, love, love everything you guys are doing. Keep Thanks, up man. the good fight, Raymond. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, folks. Up next, best part of these two hours, Sam the Gunman. We're going to stump our nephew and Mike drop. That's the second best thing. And you can't hear it if you don't listen, so stay tuned. Right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Okay, our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. Two easy ways to do it. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Parlor, the podcast, or whatever way you listen to uh, like to listen to our show. And share the show with as many friends as you can. Remember, together we will we will win. And, and by the way, I got to tell you about we're going to do mic drop. Yeah. And I have to tell you, I've learned so much about uh, what's going on mainly in the in the city of San Diego that I didn't know anything about from the mic drops. Yeah. And Made wh- me a little angry in <laughs> most cases. Yeah. I'd like to chat with a few of these people. And. And tell them what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so honestly, Dave, that's the point of the mic drop. Don't they I, work for us? The more people who know about what's going on and 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 say, you know, it, it, hopefully it motivates everybody. Because where else do say, you get this news? You don't get this news for, and no? everything you say can be factually backed up. Well, yeah, I, I, I a heavy dose of my opinion on them, but yeah, well, everything. But everything, <laughs> the facts are facts. The facts are facts. Yeah, yeah. There's no Pinocchios. No, there really isn't. I, and it's all a lot of this is uh, personal uh, experience. Well, so, and that's what news is in a lot of cases. That's right. All right. Speaking of personal experience, I don't know how that. That's not a transition. No, no. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Sam the Gunman and our weekly segment, Stump My Nephew. Mm-hmm. Sam's my nephew. He is uh, a mensch when it comes to gun is trivia. That the new word for him now. A yes, mensch. mensch. Um, and uh, so every week, somebody writes in, uh, sends us a question, and uh, if we use your question on the air, we give you a hat or a T-shirt. If you stump my nephew, which rarely happens, although we stumped him last week. Yes, we did. He's still in tears. <laughs> if you stump my nephew, uh, we'll give you a front site membership along with your hat and shirt. This has got to be the shortest question on the planet. <laughs> no, it's it's it's. There's a whole. There'll be. Trust me on this. Trust me. <laughs> Ken from San Marcos. Hey, Sam, you there? 
Yeah, how are you guys? I almost forgot to talk to you. Yeah, right. Good, man. Doing really well. Doing really well. How are you? You doing good? I'm doing. All right. Fair yeah. enough. I, I think you're going to like this question. In in some ways, if you know it, it's very simple, and it's gonna, we're going to be able to talk about it. If you don't know it, uh, it's going to be real quick, and uh, you're going to get to go eat dinner early. So, all right. Ken in San Marcos nine writes. o'clock almost back there. <laughs> he wants to know, what caliber is an M26? Ken from San Marcos. Thanks for writing in. Um, now... I'm not sure I can answer that question per se because M26 um it it's uh it it could refer to a lot of different things like I think there was an M26 tank destroyer or something like that um well, it's, so a, I, it's I a firearm it's a firearm a bit more information this is a firearm uh, I told you it was too short <laughs> that the the yeah the military currently uses it's a firearm um it's uh uh I'm trying to think if I give you too many too much info you'll it shoots uh, a bullet no no Nope. No, <laughs> Dave might have messed it up. It's a firearm that goes on another firearm. Oh, the uh, M twenty six accessory shotgun system. That's exactly modular accessory shotgun system. That's exactly right. It's uh, a, it's, it's a shotgun yep. that's designed for for breaching use. Um, it connects to the nineteen thirteen rail on the bottom of an M four or an M sixteen um, or an M twenty seven if you swing that way. And um, you load it with special breaching rounds to blow the locks off of doors. That's exactly right. It's uh, a yeah. It's a uh, so rather, I didn't give it away. Ra- well, said a bullet. Well, you said bullets. Yeah, but a twelve gauge isn't a bullet. <laughs> rather than the, you remember the movie Predator? Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, remember Billy, the the yeah. big uh, Native American dude? Yeah. And he uh, uh, he had a uh, he had the coolest gun. Yeah, he did. In the whole world, it was an a, it was an M sixteen. With a Remington 870 attached underneath the right. barrel, so he had a he had a you know an M16 with a shotgun, and that was by far the coolest gun. It, I think I was I don't know, like a 10 or 11 year old Mike Schwartz thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. You still want one? That was the birthday. height of cool. Yeah. yeah, I used to run around uh, in my backyard with my shirt off, pretending to be that guy. Oh my lord! Yeah, I know. I know. Good it's thing, good thing you moved. Well, it is a good thing I moved, but unfortunately, I still do that. I still do that a lot. Neighbors are kind of disturbed by it. Okay. So, anything? All right. Anything else about the M twenty six, sir? Um, it's it, it's it's a really interesting concept that is a perfect demonstration that not every firearm has to be the most versatile thing in the world. Hmm. It is optimized specifically to do one very exact thing, and it does it really, really well. And it's completely useless for anything else, pretty much. <laughs> it is. It's designed, like I said, uh, you load you load it with a special breaching round, which is made of sintered metal, so it disintegrates. Um, you blow the lock off of a door, and because it's attached to your service rifle, you don't need to, uh, you know, put your sling up your service rifle and, and go dig around in your pack or something to get the breaching shotgun. It's just all there. So if if a threat appears like, say, inside the room you just broke into, then um, you're ready to go immediately. You don't you don't need to mess around or anything. Or if you lose your house keys. Well, uh, yeah, that's, I it, mean, yeah, you happens. could. But with the price of ammo these days, it might be cheaper to find a locksmith. I always kind of wondered why they didn't do, like, some kind of little watered-down, you know, something that would fit into an M203 for, for breaching purposes. But I'm not an engineer, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I always thought, gosh, why, why can't they come up with something to help breach 
Because, you know, Marines especially are carrying M203s all over the place. You'd think that they'd be. I'll bet you there's a there's about a thousand people out there listening right now that know why that's a stupid suggestion and are yelling at their radio. At, but but I always thought it'd be kind of There's probably cool. one on the East Coast thinking the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, um, I. Oh, here you go. There's, I this is why. Down and, and, and do some serious thinking about it. I like I'm sure there's a reason because clearly if there if there wasn't a reason why that couldn't be done, then they would have done it. Yeah, right. Um, out there in in Southern California, you have a lot of uh, very uh, very intelligent engineer types, whom I'm sure um, are are already um, thinking about you know ten reasons why right. that uh, that isn't a thing. Yeah, we'll All be right. getting a call. All right, my friend, good job, Sam. We were As unable always. to stump you. Fantastic job, Ken. We're going to send you a T-shirt and a hat and a sticker and uh, a uh, I don't know. We'll Bill send for you. lunch. Yeah little bill for lunch. There you so. go. All thanks, right, man. Buddy. Thanks, dude. Well, as always, thanks very much for having me on, and you guys have a good night. All right. Forward to talking to you next week. All right. Now it's time for this week's Mic Drop. Mic Drop. Mara Elliott, part duh, which is spelled D-U-H in this situation. <laughs> I just thought of that, Dave. I agree. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I mic dropped Mara Elliott, who is the city attorney for the once great city of San Diego, which is now little more than a giant homeless drug addict encampment. Mm-hmm. But our city of- officials were, are, are worrying. Are, are our city officials worrying about solving that problem? No, they're not. They're more worried about taking guns away from law-abiding citizens. My last mic drop was in anticipation of Mara Elliott's rumored op-ed in the Union Tribune which actually ran right next to my op-ed in the Union Tribune. And today's mic drop is about the actual op-ed. So what is Mara's solution for gun ownership? She wants to solve the problem of people owning guns by, you guessed it, more gun laws restricting gun ownership. She calls for the ban of, quote, military-style assault weapons and, and goes on to call it the weapon of choice for mass killers. Of course, the Union Tribune didn't fact-check that lie. If you define mass shooting as the murder of three or more people, which is how the FBI uh, defines it, then handguns are used almost three times as many times as rifles of any kind, not just rifles that would be considered, quote, military-style assault weapons. That's according to FBI stats. That's not something I just made up. It's this thing called science. And what is a military-style assault weapon? Well, she, of course, doesn't define that, nor could she. The reality is all guns basically do the same things. They hold ammo, they move ammo into a firing position, they fire ammo, and then they clear whatever's left of the ammo after it's fired. The idea that some firearms are dramatically different than others is ridiculous. If they can carve out some subject uh, sub if they can carve out some subsection of guns and ban them, then they can use that exact reasoning to ban all guns. So in short, if you believe that, that it is legal to ban something called an assault weapon, then if we use the transitive property that I was taught in eighth grade pre-algebra, uh, you're absolutely admitting that you believe a ban on all firearms is legally sound. The handguns that are used in most mass murderers function the same as the assault weapons that Mara Elliott wants to ban and turn you into a felon for owning. A felon. Not for hurting someone but for owning a self-defense tool. Mara isn't advocating for a ban on pistols, even though the case she makes for banning rifles is a case for banning pistols. Why? Because it's political suicide. 
it's politically painful to suggest that America banned pistols. Back in the early 90s, it was commonplace for grandstanding politicians to suggest a, a pistol ban. And they used all the same rhetoric they're using now when they talk about rifles. So what happened? We all fought back. We made it politically painful. Now it's time to do it again with rifles, but nobody listening to this can wait for someone else to act. You are the person that needs to get involved. Now is the time to do it, and yes, it can be done. There's an old saying that the most dangerous liars are those who think they are telling the, the truth, and that's Mara Elliott. She's not bought and paid for by anybody. She's not being pressured by constituents. She is a true believer that you, Mrs. and Mr. Gun Owner, are evil. The only way to win is to play the game, and the tools we have for success are hard work and the truth. But that's something Mara knows little about. And that is this week's Mic Drop. Mic Drop. Amazing. Another great one. I love that. I hope Thanks, those, are those going on? Oh, yeah, they're on our, they're on yeah. our website. Yep, okay. yep, which is YouTube.com slash Gun Owners Radio. Hey, if you're listening again on YouTube or our podcast, smash the like button, subscribe, tell as many people as you can. I want to thank San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, the Dillon Law Group, CL1, BRMI Mortgage, Blackout Optics, and the National Concealed Carry Association. I want to thank Michael Schwartz. We had a blast today. And Joe Dramisi for not being here. And for Joe Dramisi for not being here. <laughs> Sam the Gunman, who's always on top of it. And Brendan Thomas, the man that pushes the right buttons. Go to <laughs> gunownersradio.com for the poop, uh, podcast and the latest information. And remember, together we will make a difference. Hey, and guess what? Mr. Siegel is in the wings, and he's ready to rock out. Right here on Gun Owners Radio FM 96, AM 1170. The Answer! This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.